Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, reporters talk to an ex-spy who accuses a billionaire of running a sexual enterprise. Is the story too good to be true? We'll review the podcast cover story, Seed Money, from New York Magazine. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of cozy Exeter mysteries, Lara Bricker. Hi, Lara. Hi, Rebecca. I am not at a cabin in Montana, but... In honor of this podcast, I'd like to say that I never let the facts get in the way of a good story. Yeah. Why yes. should you? Yeah, absolutely. I, by the way, <laughs> a detail that I just want to mention about that, that I loved, surrounded by men with one syllable names. Very good detail. <laughs> and finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast, Toby Ball. Hi, Toby. And I've also got two syllables in my name, Rebecca. That's right. Hello. And that means you're not a douchebag. I have two. That's Laura right. has two. You have Rebecca. two as well. Rebecca has three. I have Becky. three. Apparently one. Becky. One is the cursed combination. Yeah. John, Matt, Mike, Bob, Ken. That's the one you don't want. You don't want any of those mm. one syllable names. Mike, Matt. Mike, Jack. Matt, Jack. See, Mary was fine. Mary was fine. She was great. Well, Mike was Michael. Yeah. I know. To be fair, I know. Matt was Matthew. Matthew. Yeah. Your whole thing Come comes on. apart But at the cabin, now. they were one syllable names. I know. Okay, yeah. well, we'll get into it when we discuss the podcast. But first, Kevin, there, you yeah. have to tell us what is going on on the show next week. Well, on Monday, we're going to be doing our annual Best of 2022 podcast review. Okay. Then on Thursday, we're going to do it again. Best of TV of 2022. 22. All right. So we have to come with our lists ready to go. Get those lists ready. We'll go through the whole thing. Bada boom, bada bing. And you actually have to get ready to record a lot of clips to drop into those uh, episodes, right? Rebecca, I've been saving them all year. Great. Just for this occasion. Great. Although I'm a little, I, I started cleaning out my Google Drive folder and got about halfway through when I realized I might need some of these. <laughs> So anyway, we're going to it's going to be a little walk down memory lane. And uh, I can't wait to see what everybody's top picks are. Great. And then we're also going to be doing TV, right? Podcasting TV. Yep. Fantastic. TV includes series and documentaries and great films and all the other great stuff. we saw. Fantastic. 
By the way, you guys cursed me. All of you cursed me with your dental talk. All of you did. Our recent dental talk? All of you cursed me because on Friday I was at work pitching Fun Drive for New Hampshire Public Radio and they always bring in bagels for those of us who show up at 6.30 in the morning to pitch the early morning shift. I bit into a bagel, one of my teeth broke in half and now I have to pay $1,200 to fix my tooth. And it's Ugh. all of your guys' fault for talking about your dental woes. No, I think it's your fault for eating a bagel. It was just a bagel. And I'm old. It's just a new kind of old when your teeth start mm-hmm. breaking in half. It's apparently. like when you wake up in the morning from sleeping and you're like, wow, I think I threw my back out. Yeah. <laughs> it's what like, the hell happened last night that I don't remember? It's like sneezing and cracking a rib. No, it's like when you're a woman sneezing and a little bit of pee comes out. Oh. Laura, <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me that shit hasn't happened to you. If it's not, not sneezing, yet, maybe it's laughing, like something happens, like a tiny little. I, I do the Kegels. I'm good. <laughs> Toby just panned his camera down and shows a little wet spot on his pants. I don't think it was pee for real. I think he was just joking. Right, Toby? Uh, I was looking for a pencil and I had to move my computer, but yeah. I've got wine coming up my nose. <laughs> All right. Well, enough of those shenanigans. We have a lot to talk about with the podcast we're about to talk about. So I think we should get to it. What All do you right, think, let's, Kevin? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. What do you think, Kev? Okay, Reb. We're going to one syllable all of Bank. us. It's not. I'm going to drop that first <laughs> I'm going to drop that first clip right now. Leading off. We were here because these ex-spies had information about a very powerful man. He was a Silicon Valley billionaire who wanted everyone to see him as a good guy and who would be pretty pissed off if he knew that reporters were here looking into his secrets. Ex-spy Matt Marshall makes a stunning accusation. Billionaire Mike Gogan has been trafficking women to his Montana safe house, paying them for sex and bribing law enforcement to get away with it. Matt said he knows this because he'd been Mike's right-hand man for years. This guy has lived his entire adult life and destroyed countless people. We're just talking about the people that we know about. Like a dancer he met at a Dallas strip club who had very publicly sued him, but lost in court when he sued her back. This isn't an aberration that just happened, you know, a couple years ago. This is a pattern of behavior. The rich philanthropist had a secret life of paying millions of dollars to strippers and harboring his own fantasies of saving the world. Was the billionaire with a superhero complex actually a supervillain? And could the former CIA operative be trusted? A tip like this one only comes around once every few years. A devious billionaire allegedly buying off a whole town to cover his tracks. It didn't turn out that way. It turned out even nuttier. In season two of Cover Story, Seed Money, from New York Magazine and Vox, host Hannah Rosen and investigator Ken Silverstein interview both Mike and Matt to try to make sense of the accusations, lawsuits, and criminal charges in the case. How did two best friends find themselves in a world of sex, money, and international intrigue? And what can the reporters believe in a story in which they knew everyone has lied to them? Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from cover story Seed Money. So if you want to remain spoiler free, and I mean spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Now, Laura, as we have discussed, there are some very good details laid out in the very beginning of this podcast. Scene setting, mm-hmm. right? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was like, I want to go along for the ride. I loved Hannah and her co-host and like they're going out on this adventure. And I'm like, this is the type of adventure that I would totally go on if somebody was like, hey, Laura, do you want to go out to a cabin in Whitefish, Montana? And there's two ex-spies and they're going to tell you an outlandish story. I'd be like, um, when do we leave? <laughs> so the setup I thought was just fantastic. And you get out there and these guys are like talking about, you know, working in the CIA, but they're now like in their later years. And they're like, we just like hunt deer and drink coffee, but we still have guns. And, you know, the setup to me, like was a really good at scene setting and just the writing I also thought was really good. It's told in a really good audio narrative way as they are setting up that scene in the cabin. So I was all in at that point. Well, Hannah Rosen is a very seasoned journalist and writer. I mean, she's been a longtime magazine writer. She was in Invisibilia. She's been with Slate. Like she's a long time experience. And now she's been an audio for a while. And her writing really does sing. And Kevin... When I talk about the scene setting in this, I'm not just talking about the cabin and Whitefish, by the way. There's a lot of time spent sort of in Whitefish scene setting with people in Whitefish talking Mm -hmm. about the gentrification there. I'm also talking about the scene setting she does with our expectations as listeners, which I super fucking appreciated. Yeah, I mean, it starts off with your sort of standard warning about the content. And then she says, and a different kind of warning. Almost everyone in the story lied to us about something. Some people more than others. Okay, here we go. This is amazing because we have all of a sudden this whole set of expectations before we hear a single word, right? I thought that that was really, really clever. And, you know, by the way, at some point, you probably do want to explain to your audience that your narrators are unreliable. But it's an attention grabber and it sets up my interest right away for what I'm going to listen to, because I'm also now listening to everybody's story with a little bit of suspicion, which right. is probably the way you should do it. So I've never heard that before. Yeah. I mean, she also says we do uncover a crime, but it's not going to be for a while. Yeah. So it's like you're waiting for that to happen. And Toby, it does take a while. And you're also sort of like, is there a crime? I mean, there's, it definitely is a slow burn but very small story. It's a big story and a small story at the same time. And it takes a long time to unravel, right? Yeah, but not in a way that's bad. Like, I I feel like the first two plus episodes set the two camps. You know, I think it's a tried and true way of organizing, which is you get this one picture, you you end up episode one thinking one thing. And then in episode two, it turns completely on its head and you don't know what to think. And then as things go on, I mean, you start by trusting Matt and distrusting Mike and then things slowly evolve as the episodes go on. I think there's sometimes you get into these things and you're like, oh, okay, when's the crime going to happen? When's the crime going to happen? But in this case, I think they just do such a good job of setting up these two guys with these two differing takes on what is a completely messed up relationship that they have and the things that they do or, or think that they're doing. I thought it was really, really interesting. And by the time the crime stuff kind of comes around, it's like, it's almost like another detail in this larger picture of this completely messed up relationship that these one super, super rich guy and one guy who's apparently like this amped up former military guy have and how they kind of, you know, it's almost not about what it's about. I mean, that's one of the things I love about this podcast. It's almost not about like the specifics of like what happened here. It's sort of about this commentary about 
billionaires and also about like spoiler alert about sort of amplified masculinity and right macho dudes exactly and it is so fascinating the way it's put together because Matt's character the character he plays in his life and again I've given you a warning listeners we were talking spoilers here the deceit that he does and the lies that he tells the story is put together so well because he got people to believe him that were very credible, especially including who's the woman, Mary, who is also the the person who was in the CIA, who mm-hmm. has her own defense company and is also incredibly successful. And the way they meet out the tape of the people who believed them, the other guy who was in Blackwater, who was like with him when he had been a shooting instructor at Blackwater and Mary, they use the tape of those interviews so perfectly in this You don't feel deceived as a listener at the end at all because the way they parse it out is you're with them on their journey of being with Matt, like stand-up guy. I was with him in this scenario. I went into business with him. I believed him. And then later when it sort of all unravels, you're also with them in their own like shock and disappointment with themselves. (laughs) Like it's just so beautifully put together. You know what I mean, Laura? Because a lot of times in stories like this, you're like, oh, I was fooled. And they also fooled me as a listener. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No, I mean, it's out there from the beginning. You know, we know what we're getting into, but also they just use the clips in such a good way. And they also, with their own sort of personalities in the way that they sort of set things up and write the script, you know, I just felt like it was really effective. It was very conversational. It was very smart. You know, it really worked. Well, I want to start to go back to the beginning again, because the way that Hannah sets up the story and the way we know we're getting into is she immediately addresses the way that men talk in this podcast by she says, oh, we're going to be hearing about men as predators and lions. And she's like, oh, fuck, here we go. (laughs) And then we hear this amazing voicemail that a woman left for Mike. And that is the thing that draws them in that makes them feel like there might be a real crime here committed by this billionaire, right? In another message, she threatened suicide. I decided to commit suicide because my heart hurts. Do you understand that? This is not my... That was a gun. The woman seems to have fired a gunshot inside the room she's in. So what did you think, Laura, when you first heard this tape that this woman left for Mike? That was an incredible piece of tape. I think that even Hannah, the way that she reacts to the tape, you know, she gets the gravity of this tape. So before this, it's like, okay, so there's these like, you know, whatever, we're listening to this story. But when we hear, basically, it's a stripper that he met at a club in Vegas. And she just keeps leaving these messages about how she's like, you can't do this to me. I'm going to take my life back, you motherfucker. Like, you're not going to do this. This is like, before I met you, it wasn't like this. And then there's this line where she says she's going to kill herself and you hear a gunshot on the tape. You're like, what the fuck just happened? And then Matt, one syllable Matt's like, oh, that's just that like batshit crazy chick. But the tape itself, it was just visceral listening to it. Right. And that, of course, Well, we don't want to talk about it too much, but because we don't really understand the context of that particular tape. But of course, it takes on like a larger meaning and a bigger Mm -hmm. context later. Toby, another thing that we are sort of introduced to is this concept, which is surprising and not surprising that Mary sort of gives us some more background on that, like every billionaire has their pet generals. I have this theory about masters of the universe. What's your theory? 
They've conquered everything. They've conquered tech. They've conquered women. They've conquered. They've lived in a more amazing houses. They've conquered the world. There's one thing they don't have, and that's the he-man of the universe masculinity thing. So they buy generals. They buy generals. I got Toby Ball in my pocket. You know, I'm going to call Toby Ball up tonight. So, <laughs> so, so for listeners who haven't, who, who do need orientation on this, apparently rich men, men in particular, love cozying up to ex-military dudes, either these like ho- former special forces guys, generals, high up military dudes. And it's like this, uh, as Mary explains, this idea of like, I'm not cool, but these guys are. And so like they are now in my circle and it's like, oh, General so-and-so is my friend and these special forces guys are my friend. General Mills. And this is the- (laughs) General General Motors. And this is the way that they sort of validate their own feelings of like masculinity or whatever is by cozying up to former generals- higher ups in the military and also like special forces types like General Zod. And then they actually want to be involved in like covert right. military missions around the world. Yeah. So it's, I guess part of it's the sort of I'm cool by extension because this guy likes to hang out with me. And then part of it is, you know, I, th- I think I'm going to do some good in the world by providing this ex generals mercenary group some money so that they can go and do it whatever it is they're going to do. I think we'll talk about this a little more later, but once you make a ton of money, I think there's this sense that you should like be letting your your knowledge flow to other other areas, not necessarily the one, only the ones that you happen to make all your money in, and you should be able to make decisions about things like where mercenaries get sent or give your thumbs up to it, and it's messed up, you know, because it's not like that these guys have got universal knowledge or good judgment or whatever. You happen to be have hit on a certain thing or had a good idea or whatever it is, but that doesn't necessarily extend to understanding geopolitical stuff or whatever. So it's, it's a little frightening. It's really funny because I had lunch with this rich guy where we live. And then he spent the entire lunch telling me how he loves hanging around with Navy SEALs. That's the, was the entire topic of our life. Is his name Dan Taberski? No. How? What's his name? But that was the, (laughs) that was the, the, the entire topic of our lunch was him telling me Navy SEAL stories that these other guys did. And I was like, I don't really care about the Navy SEALs. Like I, and this has nothing to do with what this guy's job was or why we were meeting. But this is all he wanted to talk about. And it I was like completely blown away by this. I didn't know I didn't know how to react to it. I didn't know what to do with it. I'm like, why are we talking about this? Like, and it was clear this had he had adopted this as part of his identity, which super blew me away. It was very, very weird. <laughs> it was super weird. But then we had our Dartmouth person, Kevin. This is very interesting to me that like that woman who was the Dartmouth expert on billionaires. Yeah. And she was talking about the characteristics of billionaires. They they need to be seen as heroes. They need to be complimented. They want to be liked. And that they want to be seen as altruistic in an area that's outside of their profession. I immediately thought of like Bill Gates Foundation, like doing vaccines around the world kind of thing. And the same time, he's like on Jeffrey Epstein's well, like, plane. You, know? <laughs> you mean just sort of this general being uncomfortable with the wealth and well, no. people feeling like wanting people to see you for something else, like heroically. You know what I mean? Well, there's a couple of these things going on with Mike in that situation because he has like these 
really interesting dual personas, right? There's the Batman hero thing where he literally is like wearing Batman pajamas. And no, he, Matt says he's wearing Batman pajamas. Oh, but but Mike said Mike admits that he has a Batman hero complex. He he absolutely agrees that, to that. He has this philanthropic side, but it also has a dark side to it as well. I don't believe that he thinks he's just giving money to people that he cares about when he's talking about giving the money to the women because he has been, you know, really collecting, we'll call it a harem, but like dozens of women. I mean, he's claimed to have slept over 5,000 women or some bullshit thing like that. But I think the idea, you know, there's the old saying about, you know, for the sex workers, you don't pay them for the sex, you pay them to go away. So the idea that you're going to hire a bunch of sex workers in different cities and keep regulars and then keeps giving them money so they will continue to like you. Continue to love you. Continue to love you. I think it speaks to something within him. And it's the mm-hmm. same dynamic he actually has with Matt. I'm going to throw you a lot of money. You're going to be my best friend. So I think he ends up being like a really interesting personality. Yeah, I mean. He's got a lot of money, so I wish he would support us on Patreon. Yes. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's so funny. It's so funny that you should say that. Because I was listening to this podcast and I found myself thinking. What if Mike listens to our show and I put out a thing and I'm like, Mike likes to help people who say they need it, right? Yeah. What if we like just talk about how much we need something and Mike decides to help us? Would that be unethical for us to take his help? A hundred percent it would. (laughs) (laughs) That being said, Mike, I still have a kid in college and we like still have a mortgage balance. If you feel like helping us out with that. I'll come hang out with you in Whitefish. All right, so Kevin, there's a couple other things I want to talk about about this podcast, including the way it's scored and put together. We'll get to that in just a second. Before we do, I've already been in the business section. I'm way ahead of you, Rebecca. All right, let's let's talk about some business. What do we got going on our Patreon? Uh, Well, our Patreon right now, uh, we have Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. Toby recently recorded this session for the book, The Premonitions Bureau. Toby, how did that recording go? How did the session go? It was actually very recent in that it was like four hours ago and uh, it was good. Like if you want to listen to me be the most positive person about a thing, uh, <gasps> this is the one, this is the one for you. Oh, guess. What? Uh, it's a with, Christmas miracle. Yeah. And I'm with like, like super positive people too. Uh, it's uh, Shirley Lairo and uh, Deb Chudica and Julia Lowry Henderson. And I liked the book more than all of them. Um, Did they hate the book or were they just timid on it? It must have been boring. Toby loved it and hated it. Yeah, well, it just, it doesn't do like the kind of things that you often look for books like this to do. Like there's not a whole lot of characterization and it kind of, there's a lot, the stuff I liked was really about, you know, like how did people think about things in like the mid sixties in England and how did that lead to people thinking that maybe premonitions could be real? And it's just like what was like cutting edge science at the time. And I don't know. I thought it was kind of atmospheric, but it was, it was a good conversation. I think people enjoy the conversation. Yeah. If you want to hear Toby disagree with three women, then yeah, join exactly. our Patreon. <laughs> I love the idea that he's more positive than, than Dr. Shirley Lairo because she's a very positive person. Yeah. All three of them are very, the very positive people. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, we also have uh, on Patreon the latest Crime Writers on After Show. You get to hear our thoughts about the season finale of The White Lotus. Hell yeah. And we also have a new episode of Leave It to Bricker coming out in the feed. And in it, Laura gets a, a cooking class from the local chefs. And she gets a rub down at the <laughs> rub and tug place in Exeter. The bleep bleep spa. The bleep bleep spa. Like they're going to sue us. No, we're not worried about the suing. We're worried about interfering with a potential law enforcement raid. Yeah, no, there's no. definitely a law enforcement operation going on. Yeah, yeah Lara mm-hmm. would know. But in the meantime, like, she like they're going to her... sue our podcast for yeah. that. Come on, like the cops are actually paying to get behind the paywall. I love the idea and... that like like nobody can like Google the like massage parlors and you can Google it and you can you can read the reviews and it is open nine. Two nine, two nine, two nine. It is open. Wait, twenty four hours a day because you never know when you might want to rub down at three a.m. <laughs> All right, so Kevin, before we end the business section, do we have any bleep bleep Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Randa, Chris, and Michelle Poole. Bless you. Bless you guys who are our Patreon saints. Bless you guys who are not our Patreon saints. Everyone who supports us on Patreon, everyone who doesn't, thank you for enduring the endless thing that is our business section. Kevin, should we thus end it? Thus ends the business section. I'm going to fade that music out right now. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. So, Toby, one of the things that strikes me about Matt's cons is that maybe it works because he's conning people that should be able to see through it immediately. It would be like somebody pretending that they were a really good true crime podcaster to me. (laughs) The way he's able to convince actual ex-CIA people that he was in the CIA. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing you can say for Matt is that he like he aims high. (laughs) He goes after the people most likely to see through him uh, and he fools them. And not only are they most likely to see through him, but they're most likely to know what to do about it. And he gets away with it. And it's actually, you know, the, the journalists who, who get him, but he sticks to his guns right till the end. You know, he's, he's not conceding an inch. 
Uh, yes. Even when he's in jail, you know, he's he's he got the other military guy to help him design the stolen valor tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's nuts, <laughs> which is wild. And then he tried to convince Ken that that's not what the tattoo was. Exactly. In real it's just time. general, just a general thing. It's a, um, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a utility knife tattoo that just has all the skills that I have. Yeah, and, and, and it's funny. It's like listening to patch. how like kind of pissed off that with themselves that these that these people are that they got fooled by him. They're like, well, I get he fooled a bunch of other people too. It wasn't just me. And they're, you know, I actually loved their reactions to that, especially the guy, the dude with the voice. I loved his reaction to it because he was just like, "It makes me look real stupid," but it makes other people look stupid too. But like, I look fucking stupid. Did you talk to anyone about it? Just the other guys that he bullshitted. What did you say to them? How did we not see it? And what did you think about yourself? I was the dumbest motherfucker in the United States. He got me good. It's the difference between him and Matt that he is just like, yeah, I'm a fucking idiot. And Matt's the one being like, no, what are you talking about? He, to this day, like he has been caught red handed. He's still make, denying, denying, denying. And this dude is like, yeah, I was fucking fooled and I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> like, and he's the much more macho one of the two of them. And you would think he'd be the one with the more bravado being like, well, I was fooled because of this. And he's just like, no, I was fucking fooled. Like, yeah. I'm an idiot. I loved that. Um, Laura, what did you think about that? Because Ken ultimately, who hilariously, Hannah, and this is one of the things I love about the podcast sets Ken up as, and I don't want to say like an idiot because he's obviously not, but one of the things that happens in this podcast, the way it's put together is so funny in so many ways. Every time we're introduced to Ken, it's like how bad he is at recording his own audio. Mm-hmm. Like, turn around. Yeah. like me. Just kind of like Laura Bricker, right, Kevin? The microphone's yeah. on the other side, Ken. Ken, are you recording? Ken, you don't need to be recording this. We told Ken to record everything. <laughs> like, it's just so funny. Like, he's sort of portrayed as like this print guy who has no idea mm-hmm. what he's doing in audio. But then he's the one who just gets to like directly go and ask Matt these very direct questions. How did you feel in those moments? I have a little envy of that. I mean, like, I was like, oh, my God, how satisfying would it be to be Ken, to be able to go in there and be like, yeah, this picture, P.S., you cropped it. And that was not when you were in the CIA. Actually, you were working for a private contractor. And P.S., nobody knows anything about you. And P.S., those are definitely the type of interviews where they're nerve wracking, but when you have all your ducks in a row, it is like extremely satisfying as a journalist to go in and just be like, boom, 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 boom. But I loved, I did also like to go back to Ken. I loved the dynamic between him and Hannah. Like in the beginning, they described it as like, we immediately were like a brother sister dynamic. No, 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 no. You absolutely have to record yourself. That is me, Hannah Rosen. I'm holding the goddamn thing up to my mouth like a good audio person, Ken. And Ken, Ken Silverstein. The guy who brought the story to New York Magazine. The print guy. I'm holding the goddamn thing up to my mouth, too. I don't want to go back to, like, cereal, but it's like when we you have a good dynamic between your hosts, like the Root Talk and, like, the Crab Crib and all that, like, that adds to the podcast in terms of that ability to sort of follow along as somebody is out going about the business of reporting and investigating, but you feel like you're along for the ride. And you also feel like you're along for the ride of some people that'd be pretty fun to hang out with, Yeah, you know? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think the best part of this podcast really is, is Hannah Rosen. I mean, her writing style is great. 
Um, her writing voice has the flair of a magazine article as opposed to like a newspaper article, you know, sort of the tonal difference there. You know, even if the story didn't go anywhere, I have a feeling like she alone could make it enjoyable like a Dan Taberski kind of podcast mm-hmm. because she just got a, a great command of words and then a command of communicating that. I was thinking, you know, like halfway through the first episode, like I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Nothing has really happened yet. Yep. But actually, I can't say that there was a lot of setup and exposition there. But I was like, I think that there's a good chance I'm going to like the rest of this just because of her. You can argue that nothing really happens in a lot of this podcast. Honestly, you could make the argument that you could have told this story in one episode. I I could have listened to this podcast, though, for 20 episodes Mm -hmm. because the writing was so fun. I loved loved the production of this episode. I loved the whimsy of it. I loved the way that the scoring was sort of like circusy sometimes. And sometimes there would be like music while Hannah was talking or while she and Ken were doing exposition and they would just sort of like bring in the scoring and it was almost like, here we are, clown car again. It was very, it's very sort of hard to explain it unless you hear it. It's very chaotic in moments. And they also did this thing that, a lesser, poorly written, poorly produced podcast would absolutely not work. But many times in this show, mid-sentence and mid-action, like when Mike is saying something or when they're talking, interviewing somebody, they actually are talking to them. And at the most important part of what they're saying, they bring down the tape. And then like Hannah starts talking about what they said, like, but you don't actually hear them say it. Like the host just does the exposition and they bring in this. And it's like, so effective because what we're basically hearing is, yeah, this is what happened, but almost it doesn't matter because it's just part of a larger pattern. And like all of these things are just details, but it really is just part of this bigger commentary about like billionaires being douchebags and thinking they're the masters of the universe. So this person saying this one thing, yeah, it seems revelatory, but you know what? It's really not because it's the same revelation we're hearing again and again and again. Like, I love the way this I've never heard anything quite like it before. And I am very excited anytime I hear something that's like that different. And I actually saw a listener on our page complaining about the scoring on this podcast. And I feel like I had to jump in and be like, no, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like it was it was just very, very exciting to me. So, Toby, you said something very interesting about a parallel between this podcast and White Lotus. Yeah, so the final episode of this, which seems like kind of a like tying up loose ends episode, which I usually cringe about, I thought was actually really good here. And uh, part of it was because they talked to Mike's wife, Jamie, about kind of her her take on what happened and their marriage and all this stuff. And they, they talk a lot about being polyamorous in a way that is not really the way I think of what polyamorous is, but whatever. Neither do I. Yeah. Yeah. It's like banging a bunch of strippers. Um, (laughs) But I did think you can love them all equally, Toby. Yes, exactly. And look, (laughs) what's half a million dollars to a billionaire um, to get them back on their feet. So the whole time I'm listening to this, I was like, she's kind of going through some mental gymnastics to kind of make this work. And it reminded me a little bit of, uh, Daphne and uh, what's his face? Cameron. Cameron. In that they're kind of clear eyed about each other and they're willing to figure out a way to kind of, you know, sustain their relationship and make themselves feel okay despite the foibles of their spouse. And it kind of seems like that's what's going on here. 
although to an amplitude of like 10, you know, it's yeah. just, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the, one of the good things about white Lotus this past season was that relationship and, and sort of the insight you get into that kind of marriage, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Laura wasn't the most telling thing. It was that when Mike was asked about polyamory separately and before that conversation with Jamie, before Jamie sent them that tape, that he was like, no, I'm I don't not polyamorous. But then that's the conversation he has with his wife, Jamie, to square that. Mm-hmm. And it's I honestly don't think Mike thinks he's lying. I think that Mike craves. I think he's addicted to the girlfriend experience. Mm-hmm. And he just gives each woman what he thinks she wants so that he can get what he wants, which is just love from everybody because he is a love addict of some kind who just feeds on adoration, right? Like the most telling thing was the text he sent to that woman who ghosted him. He should be grateful that a woman ghosted him. And instead he's like, don't ghost me. Like, don't ghost me, lady. This goes back to what Kevin was saying before, that there is something in his past that is really troubled that is leading him to behave like this because here's this guy with all this money and yet these are the female relationships and companionship that he's seeking out, which is not healthy at all. And I think it does really speak to something deeper that I wish we had been able to get into in this podcast a little bit because like a little bit of his background, like what, you know, something, something must've happened because he needs that attention. He needs it all the time. He is not seeking it from the appropriate channels. He is not seeking it in a healthy way. He's using his money to get it. And there's definitely something in his backstory that I would like to learn about. Listen, again, Mike, I'll give you like a little bit of attention, not the sexual kind, though, but I will. If you join our Patreon, if you join our Patreon (laughs) at the $100,000 a month level, we'll figure out some cool benefit that you could have. And I know that's completely unethical, probably, but we'll figure something out. You can join at the Spearmint Rhino level. Yes. Oh, my God. Best strip club name Someday ever. I'll tell you about how I gashed my leg open in front of the Spearmint Rhino in Los I've Angeles. I've heard that story. I've heard yeah. that story too. Yeah. Yes, and had to, and it had, and then we took the plane home with Ron Jeremy. Remember? That's completely not relevant to the first part of the story. Both true, though. But but we have been to the Spearmint Rhino in, in Las Vegas. And that Los is a Angeles. huge place. And Los Angeles, both of them. Yeah, that's like the food court of the food of court of strip clubs. <laughs> yeah. Yes, food court. It's huge. Yeah. All right, so Kevin. One quick detail before we wrap up. <laughs> yeah. You had pointed out a very good beginning of the podcast red flag about Matt that we should have all been paying attention to. Oh, yeah. Remember the point where they're, like, they're trying to get an interview and he's got the lawyers and he just like sends the lawyers away so he can talk more freely? Uh, yeah. I'm wondering whether or not he did that so he could lie more. Yes. Right? So there's no one around to hear him spin his bullshit. Yes. You know, it's like, ah, that was the red flag. Yes. And the fact that those lawyers wanted to leave? Also yeah. not a good sign. I'm going to walk out <laughs> into the snow. Good their losses. It's called yeah. plausible deniability, yeah. guys. It has brown bears everywhere. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Cover Story, Seed Money from New York Magazine? This is season two of this podcast hosted by Hannah Rosen. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Cover Story, Seed Money? Yeah, this is a thumbs up. This was a really surprising podcast. I didn't know what I was getting into when I started listening to this. The writing is good. The writing is, no, the writing is better than good. The hosts are super interesting. The story is bonkers. and. There's a lot of this that pace-wise you think wouldn't work because we're kind of just hearing sort of some of the anecdotes and some of the stories that are happening as they're reporting, but it's just told in such a compelling way that you want to keep listening. And this was one of the more surprising finds I think we've had in a while. So this is a big thumbs up for me. Toby Ball, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with Laura. I mean, I think this is like really top notch in a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, the story's kind of a roller coaster ride writing's really good hosts are good the investigation they do it turns up really interesting stuff i highly recommend it kevin flynn yeah i'm also a thumbs up i think that uh ken does a great job digging out the story but han is the one who presents it and she is just a revelation i loved listening to her talk about what was going on it's a great example of what you do with a couple of unreliable narrators because who are you going to trust? And when they finally pull all the story together, you know, they did a good job of making it make sense. So it kind of clicked on all cylinders. Thumbs up. Yeah. So I have one thing to say about this podcast, Kevin. I'm very glad you did not schedule our best podcast of 2022 episode for earlier than next week so that I could include this in my best podcast of 2022 list. That is how much I love this podcast. You're probably going to be hearing me talk about it again next week. This podcast is a Huge thumbs up for me. Huge. Not because of the story necessarily. I mean, the story is very interesting. Does that mean La Monstra is getting bumped off your list? (laughs) I loved the production and the way this story was put together. The writing is spectacular. Your comparison between Hannah Rosen's hosting of this and Dan Taberski's hosting and writing style is spot on. It is just so like lovely and perfectly done and engaging And it could have gone on for like more episodes. And I never say that. I never, ever, ever say that. And there were times where I was like, is this going anywhere? I don't care. I'm just going to keep listening to it. That is incredible. And I just, I think that the people who put this together, the production team behind it, the way you used your tape, the way that you had sort of recurring humor throughout it, your bits with Ken and his recording, like, Bravo. The scoring. I just I can't say enough good things about this podcast. Huge thumbs up for me. Huge, huge, huge thumbs up for me for this show. I just I can't say enough good things about it. All right. That's going to do it for us. But before we go, Laura Bricker, 
Do we have a cat of the week this week? Oh, Rebecca, you are going to love this one. Oh, hold on. I'm in the wrong channel here. We have a cat of the week that is a dog. <gasps> My favorite. I know. And this is a dog that, of course, this is a little bit of shameless self-promotion too, is coming to us from Christine Petro. Is that a Weimaran or Lyra Bricker? No, it's an Irish wolfhound. It's an Irish wolfhound. It is mentioned in The Final Curtain, my new book. And so Christine actually decorated her, decorated, she decorated her wolfhound for the holidays. Um, her 19-month-old puppy, Princess Bailey, adorable. Wolfhounds are so cool. They're so big. Um, they're on the flint yeah, coat of arms. That's the, uh, that's the oh, animal. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so this is an appropriate thing for the holidays. So it's a really cool picture of the dogs out in the woods by a mossy tree with his little Santa hat on. Christine's reading my book. So thank you, Christine. And I love your puppy. I love wolfhounds so much. They walk by you and they're at eye level. It's the best. (laughs) All right. Creepy AF, but cool AF. We know know people who have a wolfhound and when it gets on the couch, it just puts its paw up and walks up onto the couch as if it's going up the stairs. Uh, (laughs) Laura Bricker, if folks want to send you any animal of any kind to be Cat of the Week, how can they find you on social media? They can find me at Lara Bricker. I would take some unusual animals, but I always will take cats. That's right. And you can also email us at crimewritersona at gmail.com. We get lots of animals that way. Toy Ball folks want to reach out to you on social media and give you their opinions about books that you like more than other people do. How can they find you on social media? At Toby Ball NH. Kevin Flynn, what about you? How can you be found? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me everywhere, it's like like Twitter and Instagram and other places, you can find me at Reb Lavoie. You can also follow the show at Crime Writers On. And please join our incredible community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Just go to Facebook, look for our page, hit join the group, answer a couple questions, and we'll let you in if you don't seem douchey. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get the Crime Writers on After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave it to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the wonderful Olivia Burdett. Congratulations, Livy. You just got an amazing job. Day job, by the way. Oh, um, yeah. The executive producer of this fine program is Kevin P. Flynn. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement, where we run all of our off-the-book spy missions for the CIA. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you later. Later. I started cleaning out my Google Drive folder and got about halfway through when I realized I might need some of these. It's okay. Won't they all also be in Livy's folder? Uh, when I took them out, they went gone from everywhere, I believe. Oh. Well, but that's I, okay. It's okay. I still have them. It's, they're, they're, they're not lost to the ages. It'll be fine. By the way, you should never clean out your Google Drive folder because I pay for the storage. I pay $9.99 a month for that shit. Yeah, I was almost out. As I would say to the judge, Your Honor, I will testify myself to the amount of space I had left in my drive and wait, that it was wait, wait. time to do but something. I own the folder where all the clips are. So you aren't almost out in the folders I own. Just move them, make sure it's in mine and it'll be okay. All right, can we move, can we remove this from the podcast? No, this okay. is the most boring fucking thing. <laughs> I know. Is, I mean, can we talk about the dentist again? God, that's yeah. more exciting. Who fucking cares? <laughs> oh my God, guys. Speaking of the dentist. <laughs> no, 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 no. We need to hear the dentist part. Never mind. Right. But I did break my tooth okay, in a bagel. Okay. How about I just finish up the thing? <laughs> 
partners in crime media. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.